You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us today. We uh, will continue in our Advent series, and, and I love this season, uh, and especially in the last, like I said last week, I've only been really participating in Advent in the way that we're participating as a church for like the last eight years. Uh, in fact, on Facebook, I just had uh, a memory pop up where we, we had moved uh, to Moscow, Idaho, and uh, last weekend, or this weekend, eight years marks, uh, this weekend marks eight years. Boy, easy for me to say. <laughs> Whew. Yeah. All I've had is coffee, I promise. <laughs> uh, this, this weekend marks eight years that we have been part of uh, the Moscow Real Life that helped plant this church. So we've been here four years, and we were there for four years. And it was, it was there that we started engaging this tradition of Advent. And, uh, you know, just us uh, praying through uh, Philippians, was that chapter 2 or chapter 3? Um, praying through that, I, I never would have anticipated that that's what we'd be focusing in on during Christmas, but uh, what a great prayer time this morning. So I really needed that. So each year we take time to reflect on, on Christ's first advent. We focus in on the Christmas story and we also ready ourselves for Christ's return in glory. We are endeavoring to deepen our worship and reverence of this season. Uh, we, we're already into December, right? I can't believe how fast this year is going. And I know the next few weeks, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, things will just seem to get faster. And by focusing in on Advent, we're, we're hoping to just you know, pull the reins in just a little bit and be purposeful during the season. Otherwise, the season could just really run away from us. And so there are these, these four themes that we're focusing on last week. We've, we look, focused in on hoping or waiting with hope. This week, we are accepting peace. And then as we continue, we'll journey with joy and birth, birthing with new love. And so excited to just uh, engage in this conversation with you. Uh, Barb Jenkins sent Logan and I this graphic last week, you know, difference between my plan and God's plan. And uh, you know what? Sometimes uh, my plan and God's plan, they don't always line up, right? What I think uh, the journey is going to look like with God and what God says that our journey is going to look like. Um, what, what I find amazing about this graphic, though, is it was put together by a golfer. You got the water feature, you got the sand pit. Fantastic. I'm ready for some golf right about now. I don't know about you. Eric, are you a golfer? All right. You and I, this summer. Oh, we're all in. We're going to do this. All right. Um, yeah, sometimes God doesn't do things the way we think he should. 
Isn't that a reality? Well, let's jump into our Christmas story. We're going to start about halfway into Luke chapter 1. It says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Yeah, as I, as I read these words, the Lord is with you. I, I imagine Mary felt like we feel sometimes when Jesus says, blessed are you when you're persecuted. Like he has to tell you that you're blessed because you're not really sure. <laughs> you wouldn't know otherwise. I don't know if Mary would feel like she's favored or that the Lord is with her. And, and yet that's the proclamation. In fact, she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. I feel her pain. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her, whole, in her old age, and she has been called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word. And the Lord, or the angel, I'm sorry, the angel departed from her. Now, for 2,000 years, we have, as a church, we have epitomized the words of Mary. We have epitomized this faith response. And, and, and for, for good reason. Now, we've been, we've been comparing and contrasting this season, uh, this advent of Christ, with, with the first time Israel faced 400 years of silence, Right? We've been comparing and contrasting, and so we're, we're going to continue to do that. Think about Moses when the Lord comes to him in the burning bush and Moses' response to the Lord when he says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Four different times, Moses is like, you got the wrong dude. <laughs> I'm too short. I'm too this. I'm too that. I can't speak. I can't talk. I, I've never been eloquent. Send someone else. He will not listen to me. And Mary says, all right, I'm in. Now, I don't want to be too hard on Moses because we know that God calls Moses his friend. There becomes this intimate relationship between Moses and God. And so, so we have to recognize that. And, and I think what's happening here is Mary has been reading her text. She, she read her Bible. She knows the stories. And she learns from those who went before her. 
I would say that Moses was on the bleeding edge. You guys know what I mean by bleeding edge, right? When you're on the leading edge, oftentimes you bleed. <laughs> uh, it's a, you know, from a military perspective, you bleeding edge, you the guys out in front, they're leading the way. Uh, there's some cost to be to, to, to lead the way. And, and Moses, he stumbles a little bit on the front end of his relationship with God. And we can learn from that. And it looks like Mary did that. She learned because her response is amazing. Now, I also want to say this. Remember, we talked about the, the 400 years of silence and, and you know, with uh, Moses and the Egyptians. And, and we know how hard that, uh, that season was for Israel. We know how painful it was for them. We know that uh, Egypt was uh, vicious towards Israelites. We have to understand that the Romans were no less vicious towards the Israelites at this moment. Mary was poor. Mary was oppressed. And so when I say that, for her to hear these words, favored one, and God is with you, I think she could have honestly said, wait a minute, have you been paying attention to what's going on? Have you read the news articles, Lord? Have you seen what the Romans have been doing to us? Uh, If you're curious about how awful it was, because I'm not going to get into it this morning. We got kids in the room. But if you're curious, go look it up. Because sometimes we could just read this story and, oh man, this is amazing. This is the beginning of a very hard season for Mary. And we have to recognize that. Like it gets harder for her at, at this moment. Oftentimes when God calls us out of something and into something new, it actually gets harder before it gets better. People that leave addiction, it gets harder before it gets better. People that come to Christ around the world where it's unsafe to do so, it gets harder before it gets better. And so we have to recognize that this is her reality. And so the story goes on. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah. Quite literally in the Greek, what the picture we get is that as soon as the angel left, she jumps up and runs out the door. (laughs) She's going, I'm out of here. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice saying, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now this, this is cool. Not only is God present through his Holy Spirit, but he's teaching Elizabeth things. He's including Elizabeth into things that she wouldn't know otherwise. And how is it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby left in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what 
had been spoken to her by the Lord. Now, let's stop for a second and, and focus in on this. I love that Mary runs towards community. Remember last week I said that in the silence of God, we could start to wonder, did he really say that? Was that really God? Is this really possible? And the thing that helps us in those moments is when we run towards community and community says, absolutely. When Christy and I left Post Falls, I had community going, yes, Rob, you need to go to, to Moscow. I don't, I don't know why, but yes, we see that. As we have prayed as a, as a church about the hub, it, it's oftentimes your guys' words of encouragement that has kept me going, kept me pursuing that because I trust God's spirit working in you. And when you say, yes, let's keep pursuing it. That is worth pursuing. Let's go after that. It's a crazy idea. It's crazy big. It only works if God's in it. And yet your encouragement and, by the way, the encouragement of other faithful men and women in this city that, that are praying with us. See, community is so important when you're pursuing God, when you're living out the dreams that God gives you. We need each other. So important. And notice that God provides Elizabeth, right? The angel kind of drops, name drops Elizabeth. Hey, your cousin, she's, she's pregnant. She's old, but she's pregnant. I don't know if she's Scott Blake old, but she's old and she's pregnant. God, God, God provides her community, but Mary had to go. Like God could provide all the community in the world, but if you don't engage in it, you'll miss out. Mary could have missed out. Now, notice what happens next. And Mary said, my soul exalts in the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. The humble estate. God saw the oppression and she knows this for behold from this time on all generations will count me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear him he has done mighty deeds in his arm he has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart he has brought down rulers from their thrones and he's exalted those who were humble he has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. And he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Wow. What an amazing proclamation. Now, what you need to know about the Magnificat, uh, was it Greek? No, it's... Latin. It's Latin. We like uh, making really cool, using really fancy words for really simple things. <laughs> uh, what we have to understand about this 
this praise, this worship of Mary is that it shares content with the song of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2. Uh, it shares content with Psalms 34, 35, 89, and 103. And it shares content with the song of Solomon. In fact, almost every line of her praise and worship comes right out of the song of Solomon. This is worship. This is Mary spending hours and hours and hours with the scriptures and then letting that drive how she will do life. Do you have a life verse? Do you have life verses? Do you have scriptures that you are clinging to, you are hoping about that will define how you're going to move forward with God because that is how Mary got to this moment, to this point. She doesn't worship like this without the hours and hours of work over the years. Also notice that her worship is real. It talks about the problems that she was facing. It talked about her oppression. It talked about her hunger. It talked about her fear. It talked about her longing for God to show up. We said last week that waiting with hope is active as you choose to worship. What scriptures are you choosing? What scriptures are you engaging? Again, what, what scriptures are you clinging to? So God's been silent for 400 years. And suddenly he shows up on the scene. And, and, these, and these great promises of, of the prophets is starting to to come to fruition. In fact, she says um, that God has spoken to our fathers and to his descendants, that God has been speaking to us. And, and, and these words that he has spoken are important. I want to take you back to a portion of a passage that we looked at last week. I want to look at nine, Isaiah 9, 6. We're told this, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called, his name singular, will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. <laughs> it's like a run-on sentence. There is only one human being in human history that can fulfill all of these. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And this week, we're focusing in on this idea of, of this son that is promised bringing peace, bringing shalom, bringing wholeness, making things as they should be. That is the definition of, of peace, of, of shalom in the Hebrew. In fact, if you went to Joshua 8, 
31, uh, the people of Israel are building an altar. And they build the altar of uncut stones that are shalom. They're uncut, uh, uncut stones that are as they should be. They're, they're without blemish. See, when you build an altar in, in ancient Israel, you weren't allowed to chisel out the stones. You weren't allowed to make the stones ornate. You had to use stones that were already created that way, created by God. You had to use stones that were as they should be. They were shalom. And this is what we are pursuing in this season. The Bible Project talks about peace this way. True peace requires taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, in our relationships, or in the world. Whether it's in our lives, and and we need to start there, I need to look for and bring peace to myself first. And then I bring peace to my relationships. And then I can bring peace to the rest of the world as I deal with what is broken and what needs wholeness. So this Advent, Christ invites you to accepting peace. Now, when we say accepting, that could sound passive, right? I'm, I'm just accepting it. Don't have to do a whole lot. Not a whole lot. No, not a whole lot of work. Not a whole lot of effort required. Except for there's a a way of looking at accepting that says that it's coming to believe or recognize something as valid or as correct. It's seeing the reality of what others are experiencing. If I'm driving down the highway and it, the car's squirrely. You've been there. <laughs> Jen is looking at Scott. <laughs> Jen, it's squirrely because of Scott's driving, not because. <laughs> if you're driving down the highway and, and the car suddenly is squirrely, you could ignore that or you could stop and find the flat tire, see the reality of that flat tire, deal with that flat tire, and then get yourself back on the road. We're going to be singing this song uh, in a little bit, O Holy Night. And this verse says, Truly he has taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Now the song was written in 1847 in France. And about 10 years later, it was brought to the U.S. by an abolitionist. And that abolitionist was was seeing what was going on in his world. And he's like, I need to bring this song in to remind us of what's, what's real remind us of, of the reality of, of, of those around us. 
And it's within decades that we ended slavery. Dr. Henry Cloud says that leaders seek out data. They seek out what is real. He actually, Dr. Cloud is a psychologist and he uses the way God created our brains and our central nervous system to, to uh, as the way he defines how leadership works. So our, our brains, our central nervous system, he's like, if, if our brains lead us, our brains help us make decisions. Our brains processes data and, and, and based off of that data moves us forward. And so he says leaders seek out data. They look for what is real. Now, all of us in the room are leaders. Some of us lead ourselves. Some of us are moms. Some of us are dads. Some of us lead within organizations. Some of us lead here in different ways on Sundays. All of us are leaders. But Dr. Cloud also talks about leprosy. Leprosy affects the peripheral nervous system. Sensory nerves are damaged because of the leprosy, and those nerve endings can no longer sense or register pain. And so what happens, and one of the dangers of leprosy is, I'm, I can't tell that that pot I just stuck my hand in is, is, has boiling water. I can't tell what's real out there. I don't have the data to make proper decisions. I, I don't have that capability. Spiritual leprosy is an unwillingness to accept what is real. It's an unwillingness to, to look at and have honest conversations about what is really going on. And here's the truth, folks. You cannot bring peace to the things that you're not being real about. You can't bring peace if you won't have an honest conversation. You can't bring peace if there's parts of your story that you won't look at. You can't bring peace if you won't admit where you're wrong. You won't find peace if, you, if, if you're trying to hide. I gave you uh, an incomplete implication. I said that this Advent, Christ invites you to accepting peace, to look for what is broken and incomplete and accept your role in restoring wholeness. Take that in for a second. To look for what is broken and incomplete and accept your role in restoring wholeness. See, Mary, Mary didn't understand. 
I don't think. I don't think she could comprehend. You know, we sing that song, Mary, did you know? Like, can you fully grasp in this moment at when, when God first tells you what's, what's going to happen? But she knew that her world was broken and God was calling her to something, even as Moses was called to lead the people out of Egypt. And oh, by the way, we could do a whole nother sermon on how God uses people that you wouldn't expect. That could be a whole nother sermon. I find it fascinating that the Levites, when we know uh, that how the Levites uh, were seen in the book at the end of Genesis, and you go back and, and, and listen to, I, I think in particular, uh, some of the sermons that, that Logan gave, like the Levites say, They made some mistakes. Their, their forefather, Levi, he, he stumbled pretty hard. And yet the Levites lead the way out of Egypt. How is this poor girl, this of Nazareth? Does anything good come out of Nazareth? How does she lead the way? God will use the most unsuspecting heroes. Maybe that says something about us in this room. The church needs to look for the cracks, the brokenness, what needs to be restored to bring this promised peace. And for some of you, it's, it's, For some of you, you may be afraid that no one could understand how broken your world is. How chaotic. How dark your world feels. And honestly, you might be right. We couldn't understand. There's two things I'd say to you. One is that regardless of how dark, how chaotic, how broken it is, we will journey with you. We're not afraid. Because we've come out of that too. And the second thing, more importantly, is God chooses to enter into your world. He chooses to engage the chaos He chooses to engage brokenness. He's not afraid of your brokenness either. Because he's the wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. He's eternal father. He's prince of peace. And he wants to be all those things for you. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. We are a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. For more information about Mission Ridge, visit our website, missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Holidays and Merry Christmas.